Uh, well, this morning, I get to talk about one of my greatest passions in life, honestly. And so uh, you're going you're gonna to see it this morning. I get a little jacked up when I get talking about this. So just bear with me a little bit this morning. Uh, but before we start, I got a question for you. How many of you would consider yourself a singer? Raise your hand if you would consider yourself a singer. It's about, you know, 20 of you maybe in the room. Okay. Not a lot of singers in the room. All right. Do you ever stop and think how weird it is that a group of us who are predominantly non-singers get together and have a sing-along every week? It's kind of weird, right? Like, why do we do that? We get together and we sing songs together. For some people, it's just an odd thing. But more than just singing, we get together and what do we do? Some of you, like, start shouting at times. Like, you get excited and sometimes people bow down and some people start raising hands and it can, like, whoa, this gets a little different. Like, I haven't experienced this before. There's a video I saw years ago, one of my favorite videos. I want to, I want to play this for you real quick. Watch and this. I know that each church has its own worship style, you know which is cool. Some people are more expressive in worship, some people more subtle, and it's all good. Um, I go to a church that's pretty expressive in worship. It's, um, it's a hand-raising church. That's what it is, right? That's what, you know. Anybody here go to a hand-raising church? Am I here? Sweet. Who here does not go to a hand-raising church? <laughs> some of you are trying. You're like, I can't. I want to, Tim. I need to get some momentum. <laughs> totally cool. But hey, if you're not used to going to a hand-raising church, you want to go and join us, feel free to join us, but don't feel like you've got to join right in, okay? Start slow. we got a lot of different hand-raises that we use. We actually have names for our hand-raises. So I'm going to walk you through real quick, okay, what they are, just to let you know. Say you're my church, music is rocking, start slow. Hands in the pockets, little elbow flap, you're fine. Very subtle. Get warmed up. Get your heart rate up. When you're warmed up, start with the first one. Ready? Carry the TV. Carry the TV. That's our first one. Very subtle. Go to big screen. Big screen, a little wider. Next one's my fish was this big. My fish was this big. If you're a liar, you can go out there. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Jesus loves you. Grace. Next one's hold my baby. Hold my baby. Got dueling light bulbs. That's our next one, dueling light bulbs. We got goalpost. Everybody knows goalpost. Throwing a heartburn. A lot of people like to do heartburn. Double heartburn, right back to goalpost. What's my favorite? Mufasa. Mufasa, that's my favorite. The circle of life. Tim, can you go higher? Yes, you can. You can take one hand, go a bunch of different stuff. Pointer, hatchet, schoolroom. <laughs> Release the doves, give the Lord a high five. Press it out. A lot of women like to wash the window. Wash the window. <laughs> and when you're comfortable there, go for the big three. Village people, Rocky, touchdown. There you go. There's your big three. offended by that, you need to get over it. That's just funny, okay? That's just funny stuff, okay? Uh, but we get together every single week, right? And we take time to praise God. What does it mean to praise God? It means that we sing and we celebrate God for who he is and for what he's done. But I think too often 
I think we miss out on the significance of what's actually happening on a Sunday morning, and we miss out on the, the way that praise can extend far beyond our 20 minutes on Sunday morning, okay? Now, I don't know if you realize this, but Scripture commands us to praise over 200 times. Over 200 times, it says, praise the Lord. And I ask the question, like, why does the Bible say that? It seems a little peculiar to me. That God is commanding us to praise him 200 times. If I came to you and I said, praise me, praise me, praise me, you would think I was strange, wouldn't you? You think about it. There's a couple reasons, though, why I think God commands. Number one is this, is that only he is worthy. Only God is worthy. You see, he's not asking for something that isn't rightfully his. He's asking what he alone is worthy of. So when he says, praise me, he's saying, listen, I'm the only one worthy of it. Just do what I'm worthy of. Just, just do that, Okay. But there's a second reason I think this is the thing that we oftentimes miss, and it's this. There are benefits for us. When we begin to praise God, there are actually benefits for us and for our lives. God would never ask us to do something unless there was inherent benefit for us in some way. And so this morning, what we're going to do is look at a really, really fun story. I love this story from Scripture. And what we're going to see is the power of praise and how this idea of praise can literally impact every moment of our lives if we'll allow it. All right? So if you've got your Bibles, would you turn with me to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse number 25. Would you stand with me across the room as we're going to read our text? This is your first time. This is just what we do. Nothing sacred about staying. It's our way of honoring God's word and saying we value what he has to say way more than what I have to say. Acts chapter 16, verse 25 says this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you give us things. You give us tools to use. And God, I pray that you would reveal this tool in our lives. And Lord, that we would live differently because of it. I pray that in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You can be seated. Well, the uh, story that we just read was a few verses of a bigger story just kind of give you a little context to understand what's going on in this story. You got two guys, Paul and Silas. They are followers of Christ. And their job is they are taking the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to the Greek world, the, those who have not followed God, that don't know who he is. They're going from city to city, and they're preaching the gospel, leading people to faith, starting up churches all over the place. They go into this city, and they do what they always do. They lead a few people to faith. They're starting to build a church, and they're going on. As they're walking around the city, there's this woman that starts following them. And this woman, it says that she has this power of fortune telling. She's got a demonic influence in her life in some way. And she's following Paul and Silas around, proclaiming who they are. She's under the influence of this demonic power saying, these are men of God. Listen to what they say. That's what she's running around saying. And what I love in the story, if you read the story, you know, sometimes, you know, you see Jesus had compassion on people or the disciples have compassion and so they pray. In this story, it isn't compassion. It says Paul, because he's so annoyed with this woman, lays his head and, and commands the demon to come out of her. 
And she's totally set free in a moment, completely set free. There's a problem, though. The problem is because, as I said, she had this demonic influence. She had the ability to tell fortunes, and she was a slave of somebody else. Now, that slave owner is ticked off at Paul and Silas. Why? Because he made money by having this woman tell other people their fortunes. And so Paul and Silas have now negatively impacted this slave owner's pocketbook, and he gets mad. So what does he do? He goes around and gets the whole crowd riled up and ticked off at her. He goes to the leadership, does that. So if you got your Bibles, look with me at verse number 22. What happens? It says this, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. The magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So what's taking place? These guys, they've done the good thing, right? They're walking around leading people to faith in Christ. That's what they're doing. They're proclaiming the good news of the gospel. They're starting churches where there's never been a church before. They're doing amazing, amazing work. And then, although he didn't do it for the greatest reason, he just sets a woman free from demonic oppression. Like they're doing amazing thing. And what is the gift that they get out of it? They get beaten senselessly, flogged in pain, in agony. And then they get thrown into prison, Right? But they don't just get thrown into the jail wherever. They don't get the nice little penthouse at the jail. No, they get thrown into the inner cell, the worst, darkest, dankest room that that prison had. And not only that, what do they do? They take these two guys and they fasten them in the stocks, their feet, so they can't even move. These two guys, they were serving Jesus, doing the good thing. And then what does it say here? The first two words I love in verse 25, about midnight. You ever had a moment like that in life? That about midnight moment, right? It just feels like everything in life is going the wrong way. You're just like, are you kidding me? I can't believe something else has gone wrong right now. It was about midnight. I think every single one of us has faced it at some point. We feel overwhelmed. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to look. Does anybody care? Does anybody see me? God, do you even know what's going on right now? This moment, about midnight. But it says this, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, we're going to talk about this whole idea of praise because this moment we see Paul and Silas take a step to engage in praise while all this garbage is going on. And what we're going to see is we're going to see some of these benefits that praise can actually produce in our lives. So there's a lot of, some weeks you may not take notes. This might be a morning that it would be worth pulling out a phone and taking a note because I think God can use this in the rest of your life if you'll allow him to, all right? There's a few things that we're going to look at, the benefits of praise. Number one is this, praise changes our focus. Praise changes our focus, okay? We live in a world that gets very self-focused. We have a word for it called a selfie. We get very focused on ourselves, don't we? This happened to me a couple of years ago with one of my sons. Uh, My son Asher is almost 10, turns 10 actually on Tuesday, but he was probably four or five at the time. And I walked in the room on him, and he didn't even know that I had walked in the room. And he doesn't have his shirt on, and he's standing in front of a mirror flexing. Okay, here's a picture of Asher. Here's him. He's doing this, okay? But he's not just flexing. He's actually kissing his muscles in front of the mirror. He's doing this thing, kissing, whatever. And then he starts talking to his muscles. He's like, how you doing? What's going on, right? He's looking at himself. He didn't even, I was like, had the camera snuck. I snapped the picture and just, he didn't even know that I was there. It was hilarious. 
And a couple days later, I was telling my buddies about this and whatever, and they're like, yeah, we know where he's seen that before. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, his mother does it all the time, right? <laughs> but this is the way we live our lives, don't we? Like, we are very self-focused. It's all about us and our story. And hear this, when we have challenges in life, when we have difficulties, y'all know it gets worse, doesn't it? We got hard stuff going on in our lives, we have a hard time seeing anything else. That problem, that difficulty, that challenge that we've got is like this. It sits in front of our eyes and we just can't get our eyes off of it. We focus, we, we sit, we think about it. We, we get out at nighttime, we're laying on our pillow. All we're doing is thinking about the problem, the challenges, whatever. When we go talk to somebody, they bump us. We're just spilling all the challenges and problems that we got. When we go to God, all we want to do is talk about the problems and the challenges, all this kind of stuff, right? That's how we're wired. You see, praise does something different in our life. Praise actually changes our focus. It takes our eyes off of the temporary. Now, hear this. Some of you are going through hard stuff right now, okay? I'm not trying to diminish that in any way. We go through hard stuff, absolutely. But when we praise, it takes our eyes off the temporary and puts our eyes on the eternal. It takes our eyes off of the problem and puts it onto the solution. It takes it off of the challenges and fixes our eyes on our king, where our hope and our help is at. Praise changes our focus. I see this happen every single Sunday. Because some of you walk in the doors on a weekly basis. You walk in and you're bearing hard stuff. You're going through garbage in life. But you give it four, five, six, eight, ten minutes of praising and singing the glories of who our God is. And suddenly your focus changes. Suddenly where the priorities of your life have been changed a little bit. You've been put right into, into the right perspective. That's what we need. You know what? Next step that we have around here. The next step. We just had a few moments in that class. We talk about this. I challenge people to attend every single Sunday. And why do I do that? Because I want our attendance numbers higher. That's the reason. No, that's not the reason, okay? I'm not a horrible person, okay? Why do I do that? Because if you attend every single week, you will never go more than seven days without having everything in your life uh, challenged, having your focus prioritized in some way, right? Getting your eyes into the right place. We need that. In fact, studies have done this. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. There was a study done and it said, if you attend church one to two times a month, it is a very small difference from not attending at all. But when you attend three to four times a month, there's a massive difference in your joy, your hope, and your peace. Okay, why is that? Because when this becomes the normal part of your life, it actually changes the way you think because your focus changes. Your priorities are constantly being put in the right direction. See, when we get together every Sunday, what do we do? We proclaim the goodness of who God is and what he's done. And it gives joy. It can place hope in our hearts. It can give expectation in seasons when we don't feel like we can know where our hope is going to come from. We can trust in God. I don't know. You, you guys might think that I'm like super spiritual guy and every Sunday I show up and I'm like jacked to be here. I'm not always. I'm still a human being. I can have a bad week. I can wake up on a Sunday morning tired and think, I've told Amber this before, babe, I don't want to have to get up and preach today. I've had days like that. It's okay, we're humans. But guess what? If you know me, this morning is one of those rare, when we have next step at 9.30, I go start the service in there. But outside of next step classes, I am here from the first note that gets played. I'm not driving in five minutes late. I'm not strolling in out in the lobby, chit-chatting. I'm here from the first note. Why? Because I need it. I need to get here and get my attention in the right place. I need to begin to declare the praises of who my God is. And you give me five, six, seven minutes of that, suddenly everything in my life changes. Suddenly I have a hope and an expectation and a joy that maybe I didn't have earlier in the morning. Why? Because my focus was changed in the presence of God. 
I get my eyes in the right place, and we need that. And there's, a, there's something, some of you need to write down. If you don't write anything else, you might want to write this down this morning. Praise is a weapon, okay? Praise is a weapon. A lot of times in faith, we're like, what's our weapon? Do I have any tools? You got a tool at your disposal at every moment of every day, and it's called praise. No matter where you're at, you don't got to wait till Sunday morning. Got to get my praise on for 20 minutes with everybody else. No, praise is at your disposal every moment of every day. There are times in my life, times in my life, I'm discouraged. I'm tired. I'm bummed. Something didn't go right in my life. I'm going through a hard season. Maybe it's a season where my physical body isn't working right. I have seasons like that. You know what I do? God, I praise you. God, I praise you. I praise you for who you are. God, I praise you that you are holy, that you are righteous, that you are good, that you are faithful, God. I praise you that you are all-powerful. There is nothing above you. There is nothing below. You are all. God, you are a foundation. You are a rock that is firm. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. I can have hope in my heart because of who you are, God. God, I don't trust in myself. I don't trust in my money. I don't trust in my skills. I trust in who you are, and I place my feet on you, God, and I praise you for who you are, and I praise you for what you've done in my life. God, you have saved me. God, you've redeemed me. God, you don't treat me like I deserve because I am unfaithful. I screw up all the time. But God, you're faithful. You are gracious. You are compassion, slow to anger and abounding in love. And God, I praise you for that. And I adore you for that, God. And God, I pray that you would draw my heart closer to you because you are worthy of it, God. When I begin to praise like that, guess what happens? My focus changes. And whatever I was bummed about a few moments ago is gone because my God's bigger. And I can trust him. I can believe in him. I can stand firmly on him. It isn't some little magic voodoo. It's the reality of who my God is. It changes my perspective. And the weapon of praise is available to you. The question is, will you use it? Will you? Are you going to wait? Oh, I hope they sing two songs. I hope they sing the song I like this Sunday. Are you going to pull the weapon out and praise? It's available to us. We need it. Praise changes our focus. Number two, praise sets us free. Praise sets us free. Remember I said there's benefits. There are benefits. God doesn't ask us to do something that isn't inherently good for us in some way. When we praise, it actually sets us free. There is a benefit to it. Look what it says in verse number 26. It says, suddenly, they're praising, they're like they're sitting here praising God. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. See, the things that had been binding them, the things that had been holding them back, when they began to praise, broken, broken. And for us, a lot of times in our life, we're walking around with chains they need to get praised off. We need to praise through it. We're sitting around walking, holding on to our chain. Look at my chains. Quit looking at your dumb chains. Let's look at our God for a second. Let's begin to get our eyes in the right place. Let's have our, 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 our body set free as we begin to look in the right place. There is actual power in confession. You're like, well, I can praise with my mouth shut. You're right, you can. But there is power in confession. There is. Why do we make kids tell somebody they're sorry? We don't say just feel sorry. No, you got to tell them. Why? Because there is power. There is a release. There is a freedom when we begin to confess. And the same thing is true in our praise. When we begin to confess, not just simply believe it in my mind or believe it in my heart, but actually begin to confess it, there is a freedom that takes place. It, it kind of breaks this mentality of like, I'm holding back and I'm, I'm, I'm under control and I get to rely on myself. We get to break that and say, God, it's not about me. I'm worshiping you. I'm praising you. 
I'm not worried about how, what I look like or what people think of me. I'm worried about giving you the glory that you're worthy of. That's what I'm worthy, interested in right now. Praise sets us free. And it's more than just words. And this is where some of you are going to get super uncomfortable. Right? It's more than just words. If you know <clears throat> the Old Testament is written in original language is Hebrew. And when you go through the book of Psalms, oftentimes you'll see it says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, all these kind of words in the Old Testament. And you just think, okay, praise the Lord, I got to praise the Lord, okay. Well, you don't understand, in, in the Hebrew language, each of those words, there's seven different words, each of them have associated with it a physical posture, okay? Some of those words, when it says, praise the Lord, it's interpreted, in our language, it says praise, but what it literally means is to sing, sing songs, that's great. Sometimes it means to shout, that's what it's telling you to do, to shout. Sometimes it means to bow your knee. That's what it means. That's what it means to praise the Lord. I'm going to actually have physical posture to associate with. Sometimes it means to lift hands. And sometimes it even means to dance. Some of you are super uncomfortable by that. I get it. I get it. He's calling us. And listen, here's the deal. If you get me real excited, sometimes you'll see me on the front row. I might dance a little bit up here on the front row. I don't do a lot of dancing up here, okay? And whatever, my wife would be embarrassed by me. But, but here's the deal. When I'm praising on my own, in my own house, I dance a lot more than I do here. My wife would super be a, a really uncomfortable if she saw me when the lights are out late at night sometimes, praising God. Why? Because, is it because I want to be weird? Because some of you are like, that's weird, Greg. Why would you dance? Why would you do this? No, I want to be obedient. And here's what I don't want. I don't want to live a faith that's under my control, that I only go this far. And so do I want to, do I want to like, hey, I'm going to worship God and praise like that? No. Do I always want to do that? No. But what I don't want is be, God, you don't have that control of my life. No, I'm going to hold back. No, I want to be the kind of person that says, God, I submit my life to you, all of it. And even if I'm not super comfortable, I'll shut the lights off, go when nobody else sees me. God, I'm going to worship and praise you because I want you to have all that I've got. I want to give it all to you, and I want to be free. I don't want to be a person that's living this way in bondage. God, I want to be a person that's completely free. What does it say in Romans chapter 12? It says it this way. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And when we have an opportunity to worship, some of you are like, I've never even raised a hand in a service. That's super awkward, Greg. All right, maybe that's the step you need to take to get outside of yourself and say, God, you know what? I give everything to you. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody's thinking right now, God. I want to offer it all to you. And as you begin to take steps like that, you're going to see freedom that you've never experienced another way. As you no longer are the one saying, I only on my terms, God. No, you begin to say, God, it's all yours. Whatever you want, I give it to you. Okay? Number one, praise changes our focus. Number two, praise sets us free. Lastly is this. Praise is a choice. Praise is a choice. We have choices all the time, don't we? Every moment of every day, you wake up in the morning. How many of you, when you wake up in the morning, um, you pop right out of bed when the alarm turns on? How many of you, like, you're some of those, you guys are annoying. You people are annoying. Okay, how many of you are snoozers out there? Where are the snoozers at? You can hit the snooze a couple times. That's great. How many of you are married to a snoozer, right? They're super annoying, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. We all, we all have those types of choices. From the moment we wake up, we have choices. You have to understand this. Praise is a choice. Praise is not something God is going to force on you. It isn't something he makes you do. It is a choice that you have. And you think about Paul and Silas in this passage, right? They're in the midst of what I would consider one of the worst circumstances we could face. Horrible circumstance. I wouldn't want to be there. I wouldn't be experiencing it. But rather than sitting there and doing what most of us did, right, what would most of us do? 
They could choose to sit and complain. I'm going to curse God. I'm going to complain to them. I'm going to complain to God. I'm going to just whine about this. Could somebody look at what's going on? Look how horrible my life is. They had that choice. But rather than choosing that, what did they do? They made the most important choice they could. They chose to praise. Not, not because they loved their circumstance. Not because they felt like it. They didn't praise because their favorite song came on. Right? None of those things. They praise God because of who he is and what he's done. He was their hope, their salvation. He was their rock in every circumstance. And they chose to praise him for that reason. Here's the deal. It's the same choice that you and I have at every moment of every day. We can choose to respond to God based on how we feel, what's going on, or we can choose to praise him because of who he is and what he's done. When you're going through good seasons in life, you have the choice. Am I going to choose to praise right now? Sometimes when things are going well, we forget about God altogether, don't we? Like, oh, life is good. I don't need God. But you can choose to praise him. But when we go through hard times, we have the choice to praise. And here's what I want to warn you. You're like, okay, I want to I praise God in the hard season. Listen, if you have not become accustomed to the language of praise on the mountaintop, it's going to be really difficult in the valley. Okay? Some of you right now, life is going well. You better learn to praise now. Train yourself to praise now. Get yourself accustomed to the language of praise, that that becomes who you are. Because then when you get to the valley, listen, Paul and Silas, I guarantee you this wasn't the first time they praised. They knew what it meant to praise God. They knew what it meant to get their attention on him. And when they came to the darkest place, the about midnight moment, they knew what to do. And that's what we need as believers. We've got to be grounded, God. God, I'm here to worship you no matter what I face so that when I'm in the valley, when I'm, when I'm in pain, when I'm hurting, when life has gone awful, I know I can get on my knees and say, God, I worship you. I don't like this. I hate this. I don't want this to happen. But God, I choose to praise you because you are my rock and my salvation. You are my hope in every circumstance. That's what the weapon of praise looks like. And it will change your life if you will allow him. Okay. So what does it look like to get accustomed to praise? What does it look like to build this language into our lives on a regular basis? Uh, there's something that I do, and it's not like a big, it's not like, oh, I'm making this big moment out of it. It's something that I, I just do every day. I try to make praise one of the first things I do in the morning, okay? So when I get in the shower, I'm not making a big deal. Sometimes Amber might be asleep, might be awake. She's downstairs doing whatever she does. I'm not making a big deal about it. But when the shower's going on, I'm saying, Jesus, I praise you. I worship you. I honor you. God, I want to worship you today. Why? Because I want my focus to be changed right away. I don't want to wait until I've screwed up. Now, do I screw up the days? Plenty of days I screw up, and I get off going the wrong direction. Okay? But I want to try and be intentional to start my day in the right attitude, to begin to praise God and to worship him. Okay? And so that's something I do. So maybe that's something you could do to begin to say, how can I make praise a part of my everyday life? To begin to declare who God is and what he's done, just to praise him for that. Not, you don't need a song to do it. Just begin to do that. When you're in the car, just say, God, I praise you. Take 10 seconds. It's not a big deal. You begin to say, God, I thank you for who you are. God, I praise you for your goodness. I praise you that despite the fact that I just got a bad report, God, that I can trust in you, that I have a hope in you. I praise you for that, God. You begin to make that a part of your everyday life. It does not have to be this over-the-top spiritual moment that's, you know, like the angels are singing in heaven and all this, whatever. It just becomes a, something that you do on a regular basis. Another thing for some of us is we need to allow praise music and worship music just to become a part of our lives. 
You know, some of you do that naturally. You're like, I love music. This is what I do. But for some of you, you, you listen to lots of music, but you're never listening to that music because you're like, I don't really like that music. I'm not asking if you like that music. I'm asking what if you would allow that music to be a part of your life more often. Rather than filling your minds with the songs that are taking you maybe the wrong direction, what if you began to fill your minds with songs that actually pointed you in the right direction? It took you to a place where suddenly you, you begin to have a hope and a peace in your heart because you're being reminded of the goodness of who your God is. What if that became a part of your life? Every one of us could do that. Whether it's in the car, whether it's we're driving to and from work, whether we just have it on in the house. Sometimes some of you need to turn the TV off, you need to turn the, the news off, you need to turn the radio off, you need to turn those things off and just turn some worship music on and allow that to be the thing that, that dictates the direction of your life and your heart and your mind, okay? Let praise be a part of our lives. Another thing that uh, some of you, you're like, well, Greg, you know all these words to say. You know all these attributes of God, and I don't even know how to say those words, or I don't know those things. I get that. Okay, this is just an encouragement. Number one is this is why we get in the Word of God. We praise God for who He is, not who we think He is, but who He is. And so we read the Word of God so that we know who God is. But one of the most practical things that you can do is open the book of Psalms. Psalms is a song book. That's what it was written as. And so if you open, open the book of Psalms, sometimes what I'll do this in my personal prayer time, we'll do this as a staff in, in a corporate prayer, um, but you may do it as just a time of praise. You open the book of Psalms and just begin to read a psalm. And when you hear of an attribute of God, just begin to praise God for that attribute and then continue reading. Go to the next, all right, God, I'm going to praise you for this. Just allow that to be. You don't have to come up with the words. It's okay. He gave you some words. He's trying to help you here. If we leverage these and use these to be able to allow praise to become something that's natural. And the more you praise the word of God, the more it will dig itself into into your heart. And maybe there will be a day where you can stand and just begin to spout off the character of who God is because you begin to dig and plant his seed in your heart, okay? Make praise a part of your life, all right? So praise is a choice. It is a choice. There's that personal aspect, but I want to say this to all of us as we're in the room together. Praise is a choice every single Sunday, okay? Every Sunday. Because we come in here and I will just be honest, I know there's probably some of you that feel like that's the warm-up act for a sermon. There's some of you, you told me, like, I don't really like to sing, so I don't show up until it's over with. Okay, well, you have the choice. Are you going to step in and say, you know what, I don't really care if I like to sing or not. I don't even care if I like the songs they're singing. Because sometimes we dictate, like, I'm going to praise if I like the song, or I'm going to praise if the temperature in the room is right, or I'm going to praise if the volume of the music is right, or I'm going to praise if I like who's singing the song, or I like the voice of the person singing, or they're using the right instrument to do that. None of those things matter. Okay? The point is not the song. It's not. It's not about the performance. This worship team up here, you know what? I, sometimes in our, in our normal world, when we listen to songs, what do we do at the end of a song? Good job. You nailed it. Way to go. Guess what? The worship team really doesn't give a rip if you clap for them afterwards. You can. Feel free to clap for them if you like to, but they're not interested in that. They're up here praising God, hoping that you will join them, and together we can worship and honor God together. Like, that's the goal. This isn't like a sit and watch the band knock it out of the park. Now, they do on a regular basis, but that's not why they're here. They're here because they've been gifted in worship that they can lead us all to praise the one who's actually worthy of it on a Sunday, okay? And so that's why we do what we do around here. The song doesn't matter at all. Song doesn't matter at all. In fact, I think about how many of you, uh, you go to a pool, like in the summer, you know, you know how sometimes they got the big diving board at the pool? When I was a kid, they had like the really big one. I don't even think that's legal anymore. <laughs> like, you know, somebody killed themselves or whatever. But when you go to the pool, the diving board's always fun, especially when you're a kid. It's fun to just jump off the diving board. But how many of you know it's, it's not about the diving board? It's about the pool. See, the diving board is just a means of getting into the water. And that's what songs are. 
The goal on a Sunday morning is not for you to get together and sing the song perfectly. The goal is to praise. The song is merely the diving board. It is a tool. It is a means to get you in the water, but it's not the end. So when you come on a Sunday morning, success isn't, did I accurately sing every lyric, right? Because you're probably not going to know half the lyrics. That's fine. Some of you don't sing at all. I don't care if you're a good singer or not. Doesn't matter. You're not like, I got to sing the right notes. Doesn't matter. The goal, the water is that we praise, is that we connect our hearts to God and begin to declare who he is. And sometimes up here when I'm, I'm singing every song along with him, and sometimes I stop singing and I'm just praising because the point is not the song. It's a means to a greater end. And so when we gather together on Sundays, my challenge to us as a congregation is that we wouldn't passively watch some good musicians get up there and sing pretty songs, but that we we as a body would join our hearts together to declare praises of the one who's worthy of it. Whether we sing the songs perfect or not, I remember as a worship leader, there used to be a guy who would sit like right there at my previous church. He'd sit right there and he was awful, awful, so out of tune and so loud. <laughs> like I'm trying to lead. I'm like, oh my gosh, that guy is so loud. But you know what he was doing? He was singing with everything in his heart. Right? And I didn't, it was annoying at times, but I didn't care because I love that he's just singing his guts out. Like, that's what I want. I want us to be that kind of a church that says, God, we're not here to hold back and oppress one another. We are here to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Like, that's what we're called to. It says in 1 Peter, man, so good. All right, so I want to get uh, to our big so what here. Big so what? We always say this so what? What's the point of this thing? Big so what is this? <clears throat> Praising God inspires faith in God. Praising God inspires faith in God. Look at the passage. What does it say? It says, after they'd done the praising, all this kind of stuff, it says, the jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoner had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas, and then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You read the rest of the story, what takes place? Paul begins to explain the gospel to this jailer. And it says that this jailer comes to faith. And then it says that his entire family comes to faith. Right? Their act. See, they could have sat there and whined. But their act and their decision to praise God in the midst of their about midnight moment inspired faith in someone else's heart. And so we've already seen that praising God inspires faith in our own hearts. It absolutely does. If you will choose to wield the weapon of praise in your life, there will be moments where faith rises in your heart as you get your eyes off of your circumstance and you place them on God. We all need that. But your praise actually can inspire the faith of those around you. One of the greatest witnesses you will ever be is in the midst of your about midnight moment, choosing to put your faith in Christ. Choosing to, because when you are walking through storms like that with a peace and a hope that the world doesn't have, people take notice. They recognize what in the world is going on in that person's life. See, they, they dealt with challenges in a different way, and an entire family came to faith. And it happens here on Sundays when we gather together. Why does it matter that we gather corporately in the room together? Because when, when people get to watch you praise, it might inspire faith in their own heart. When they see, when they know you're going through a hard thing, but you're choosing to worship God, it can inspire faith in their heart. It can put joy and hope in their heart. I remember when I was a, a worship leader, there was a moment where I knew a couple and, and they had just lost a child. They had just lost a child going through garbage, the kind of stuff that none of us would ever want to have to experience ourselves. And I remember on a Sunday morning, I'm leading worship, and I look at the mom and dad, both of them with their hands raised. 
tears coming down their faith, declaring the praises of their God. Did they feel like it? Probably not. Was everything in their life great? Nope. They probably hated everything they were experiencing. But they were declaring the praises of the one who was worthy. And when I saw that, I remember my heart just like leapt. It's like that. God, you are good. Even in the midst of that garbagey circumstance, God, you are good. 